0: as and welcome back to the Muslims in Your Backyard podcast. As always, I'm your host, Huram Shamim. Thank you guys for joining me for another episode of this podcast. As always, I appreciate the support and for you taking some time out of your day to listen to the podcast. I hope you guys have been doing well since the last podcast episode. Uh, I know myself, Alhamdulillah, that I've been doing quite well. Kind of, you know, the same old stuff going on in my life, if I can... Say that just you know work and then extra stuff and doing the podcast and setting up the podcast, Uh, yeah. So pretty much been normal things for me. So I hope everything's been normal for you as well. Uh, You know even here in Canada, I guess the most uh, substantial thing that happened recently was the Ontario election, which of course saw uh, Doug Ford's Progressive Conservative Party uh, win a majority government. Um, For those of you, of course, who are who are in Ontario, that is pretty important. Um, but other than that, I think that it's been somewhat of a, ho- uh, I think, I, at least hopefully, a uh, quiet two weeks uh, for Canada, at least. Although, obviously, in America, it's not been that way. And, you know, anyone who's in Canada knows that whatever happens in America usually spills over one way or the other into Canada, where in America, of course, there's been multiple shootings, uh, you know, in Tulsa, which is in Oklahoma, there was one in Buffalo, There was obviously one in Texas, the school shooting, um, and I believe there was one at a church in South Carolina or something. Uh, I could be wrong about the location. I don't think it's South Carolina, but there was a shooting a few weeks ago at a church. Uh, So, you know, that's also been, I think, a major topic or debate issue uh, within Canada, especially in the past few weeks, because of what we've seen uh, happening in uh, the United States because of so many shootings and whatnot. It's sort of reignited uh, the debate within Canada as well. However, that it that is as important of a topic that is that is not what we're going to be talking about for today's episode. Today's episode, I wanted to continue our discussion on Bill Twenty One, or as most people call it, Quebec's Secularism Law, or the Act to Enforce Secularism uh, within Quebec. Now, the reason I wanted to continue discussing this uh, for today's episode was well number one that's what I said I would do at the end of last episode so for continuation's sake I have to do it uh, but also because there are other points that I didn't get a chance to go over and also other important points that I think need to be discussed as well and some uh, recent changes as well uh, in terms of the federal government's position to Bill 21 and those are things that I really do want to discuss and you know like I talked about in the last episode. This is going to be a very big topic of contention within Canada, because for many people, and I think rightfully so, it challenges what we consider as religious freedoms within Canada, and if this bill uh, were to fully pass and be fully applied, it really would change the way that religious freedoms are practiced within Canada, which could have some very big impacts on the rest of the country, although... At the same time, I don't want to sound alarmist because there's no indication that any other province in Canada is trying to or will pass similar laws to Quebec. But nonetheless, it would be very, very weird in a country uh, as big as Canada is to have, you know, a, a one province that essentially has different ideas of religious freedoms than everyone else in the country. It'd be kind of weird to have that. So... Those are all things that could be a, a result or an implication of Bill 21 but I wanted to discuss some points that will go over that and others uh, in today's episode. And so rather than sort of getting into an intro because again I did cover a lot of the intro in the last episode which of course if you haven't had a chance to check out please do go listen to it. Obviously you don't have to listen to that episode and then this episode but I would highly, highly suggest listening to that episode first. Because I will of course make some references to things that I talked about in that episode, um, but of course you know you're free to follow uh, and listen if you wish. Uh, but again, I will be making some references to what I previously talked about. So I think to just get it uh, get right into this, uh, the biggest change in Bill Twenty One uh, since the last episode that I released on it was the possibility and almost a confirmation uh, of a legal challenge from the Canadian government. And so this is just sort of a refresher for everyone. But of course, in Canada, we have three levels of government. We have the municipal government, which is sort of your local city or town government. Uh, We have the provincial government, which is the province that you reside in. So something like Ontario, Quebec, Manitoba that is a provincial government, or three individual provincial governments, I should say, while the federal government is the government that takes care of Canada coast to coast, right? So it takes care of all Canadians. What essentially happened was that recently the federal justice minister, uh, David Lametti, said that the federal government would join the legal case against Bill 21 if, and only if, It got to the Supreme Court of Canada, which is the highest court of law in Canada, which in their opinion would then make it a federal issue and no longer a provincial one, right? And so the reason why it's considered a provincial issue right now is because of the fact that it is only a Quebec law, right? So it doesn't affect any of the other provinces, and so it's sort of an internal law within Quebec, once it reaches the Supreme Court of Canada, and that's only, again, if it reaches the Supreme Court of Canada, the government of Canada is essentially saying that because it would be in front of a, a court of law that is able to uh, juristate, or, or, or not juristate, that's not even a word, uh, if it, it, since it would be in front of a court of law that can apply laws for all of Canada, that would make it a federal issue, and thus the federal government would get involved. And so what I think is somewhat interesting is because they're sort of waiting for that to happen, if it does in fact happen. And the reason I keep saying if it does in fact happen is because currently the case is in front of the Quebec Court of Appeal, which I believe is not the highest court in in Quebec. I believe it's the second highest. I believe there is one court, which is the Quebec Superior Court, which is the highest court within Quebec itself. Uh, before, of course, then you have to appeal to the Supreme Court of Canada. And so, right now, uh, like I mentioned, the, the case and, and the kind of the legislation against the bill is in front of the Quebec Court of Appeal. And so, really, th- this is somewhat very interesting in terms of what the federal government's response is going to be, because a legal challenge for this, right, a legal challenge at a federal level. Would cause a, a lot of internal issues within Canada, and it really would sort of be a Quebec versus all the other provinces uh, fight, uh, which is not uncommon in Canadian history. But it is it is essentially what would happen, because again, Quebec is the only province that is passing this sort of law. So all the other provinces have never passed any law like this or restricted, you know, religious freedoms in any sort of way in this in this manner, and yet Quebec would be the one that's trying to push for this. And so it, it would definitely be, I, I think, a very uh, tumultuous moment within Canadian history if it does happen, because it would really require the federal government to essentially go after Quebec, which is something that has always led to a, a bad response, and, and maybe go after Quebec is, is a bad way to put it. It is actually a bad way to put it. It would essentially be that the federal government is... In strong opposition that is actually a better way to put it it'd be in strong opposition to what the Quebec government is doing and so uh, of course you know for those of you who know the history of Canada you know Quebec has always sort of had a very tumultuous relationship with the rest of Canada and specifically the other provinces and so kind of having this process occur at at such a, a big level especially at the Supreme Court of Canada You know, it'll be a very interesting thing to watch and to see how the federal government sort of manages dealing with the other provinces because the other provinces, again, have not passed a law like this, and then also dealing with what Quebec wants because they don't want to upset Quebecers too much because, of course, they don't want to upset any province. But nonetheless, it is going to be somewhat interesting to see, you know, how they sort of manage uh, this process. Now, before this bill was in front of the Court of Appeal, it was in the Quebec Superior Court, and there was a, a really interesting quote that one of the Supreme Court justices within the Quebec Superior Court actually mentioned. And uh, the the justice's name is uh, Superior Court Justice Marc-Andre Blanchard. Uh, uh, I probably mispronounced that last name. My apologies, my French is not good at all. Uh, anyways, in, in the Quebec Superior Court, he found last year that the law had, in reference to Bill 21, it had cruel and dehumanizing consequences for those who wear religious symbols, but he ruled that most of the bill must be allowed to stand due to the invocation of the notwithstanding clause. So just to repeat, he said that it, is, it has a cruel and dehumanizing consequence, but the only reason that the law must be allowed to stand, or the bill must be allowed to stand, is because of the invocation of the notwithstanding clause, which is, of course, the the notwithstanding clause is a clause within the Canadian constitution that allows provincial governments to pass laws that essentially violate federal law for a limit of, I, I believe, five years, uh, because they they basically are allowed to pass laws to ensure that the provincial government can pass laws that it, see, it sees fit, even if it, if it isn't contradictory to what the, uh, what the uh, federal government is doing or wants to do. So essentially, it reinforces provincial rights, which I think is a, a good way to sort of explain that. And so I, I thought this quote was very interesting because he's essentially saying that yes, you know, the law is bad, it is discriminatory. Uh, which is, you know, interesting because he uses the words cruel. He uses the word cruel. It's cruel, he defined it as, right? And just to be clear, this is a justice of the law, right? So he's not just using the word word cruel uh, as a descriptive. He's using it because that's what he really means. It's a cruel and dehumanizing uh, law that has cruel and dehumanizing consequences, which then on the other hand, he says that, of course, that the only reason that the bill is allowed to stand is because of the notwithstanding clause, which to me, you know, that that should represent a, a very big red flag in this law, right? Because essentially the court is saying that this is a law that is a violation of rights and freedoms, but only because they're using this very specific clause is it allowed to pass. And, and to me, maybe that does say that legal experts would agree that the law is discriminatory. Because, I mean, of course, I myself, and I'm sure many religious people would say, is that the law is discriminatory. Uh, but, of course, it's going to be interesting to see, again, how other courts, especially the Supreme Court of Canada, if it gets there, uh, what their actual, you know, uh, what their response is to this law. Because, you know, it, it's it's interesting to, to see how I think some people interpret what its implications are but also, it's somewhat maybe reassuring to a degree uh, as someone who is religious and, you know, someone who knows, you know, who, who knows other religious people as well, um, that this is a way that the Quebec Superior Court viewed the law. Now, of course, the Quebec Superior Court's ideas or perceptions are not binding on any of the laws, uh, on any of the courts, I, I should say, above it. Uh, but at the same time, it is somewhat yeah, it is somewhat reassuring to see the 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 words "cruel" and "dehumanizing" because definitely, if you I'm sure if you ask a lot of Muslim or Jewish or you know Sikh people within Quebec, they'll say yeah, it's cruel and dehumanizing. So again, it, it is interesting to see uh, that this you know was a uh, a perspective uh, that was pushed by uh, a legal uh, you know a legal expert uh, in uh, you know the Superior Court Justice. Now, I also want to point out that it's interesting because this is not Quebec's only bill that is causing a, a big ruckus. For those of you who know what uh, Bill 96 is, it's Quebec's so-called uh, language laws, where it would basically uh, enforce the use of French as basically mandated as the first language in a variety of different institutions, including stuff like healthcare uh, and legal, uh, you know, and or, or sorry, I should say, um, you know, courts and justice, they would all have to use french as the first language now i'm not going to get too much into bill 96 and for those of you who want to learn more about it i suggest that you go do uh, your own research and i might have, have a you know a um an episode on it in the future because of course it is something that is uh, or going to cause a major ruckus within this country uh, but it is somewhat interesting to note how the courts are interpreting Bill 21 and compared to sort of how they might interpret something like Bill 96. Because regardless, you know, Quebec is basically trying to pass two laws that are causing many people to say is a violation of, you know, the Constitution within Canada. So again, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about, where it'll be interesting to see how the federal government tries to play both Bill 21 and Bill 96, which are seen as within Quebec, to some people within Quebec, not all Quebecers, but some Quebecers, do view both laws as important for the, uh, for the characteristic of Quebec. Whereas the federal government, of course, would probably disagree with that. But regardless, regardless, you know, th- those are things that I think we don't have to worry about just yet, but is one of those things that I think, uh, for those of you who maybe have a more political eye towards things, it's definitely going to be something very interesting uh, to look at. Now, I also wanted to shortly cover what Quebec's response was to this, and the only reason I wanted to cover this is because it always kills me. As as a minority, you know, as a brown Muslim and as an immigrant, it always kills me how Quebecers can say some of these things with a straight face and then not recognize their own, how should I say, their own role to play in, you know, the oppression of others and the reason that i say that is because there's often this thing in quebec because they are the french-speaking canadians of canada that they are being demonized by english speakers from the rest of the country and to some degree yes you know it is true that english speakers in this country have a bad history with the french speakers of this country Uh, but at the end of the day you know the times have really changed right the way that people are and especially immigrants right like immigrants like me I'm not an English speaker, right? Like, that's not my background, right? I'm an Urdu speaker. That's my background. So what the English people did, you know, uh, years ago, I'm not representative of that, and I'm not the one that's responsible for that. You know, that's something that, you know, the white Anglophones did, not me. And yet, you know, it seems as if, you know, they're taking what happened to them before and sort of taking it out on people who had nothing to do with this, which is where it's somewhat funny when you see some of the responses, because, Quebec is, of course, uh, as some of you who know about Quebec's history would say, Quebec is, of course, quote-unquote, upset about this news. Although some of you would say that that's probably because they're just big babies. But nonetheless, they were, quote-unquote, upset at the news of a possible federal challenge of Bill 21. And so the Premier, Francois Legault, uh, said, and I quote, that it's a a flagrant lack of respect for Quebecers, by Justin Trudeau uh, because we know that the majority of Quebecers agree with Bill 21. I think that's hilarious. I think that's hilarious because his perception is the federal government possibly challenging Bill 21 because again, again, the federal government has not done anything. All they're saying is that they could possibly, they could possibly challenge Bill 21. They're not saying they will, they're just saying if it gets the Supreme Court. But then secondly, it's his, his point here where he says it's a flagrant lack of respect for Quebecers. I mean, what does that even mean? You know, like it's this perception that he's disrespecting Quebecers. What about the disrespect the Quebecers are providing to minority communities, right? What about the disrespect the Quebecers are doing to people who wear, you know, women who wear the hijab or, you know, uh, Sikh w- uh, men who wear the turban, Right. How exactly can you say that with a straight face that you're worried about the flagrant lack of respect for Quebecers while ignoring your own flagrant lack of respect for everyone else? It's, it's the hypocrisy that always kills me. I, I'm sorry, like. It, it's, always, it's so weird watching Quebecers, like not, not all Quebecers, obviously, but these kind of Quebecers that they will always play the victim card, no matter what happens, no matter what happens. It could Anything could happen, anything could happen. They'll play the victim card. That is one thing that you can always guarantee. If something is happening in Quebec in relation to the rest of Canada, for some reason, these kind of Quebecers like Francois Legault, they always play the victim card. And they never realize when they're being the you know the, the oppressors to someone else. Because you look at the way that they're applying this religious headgear law, They're basically excluding so many people from employment within the federal government. They're basically dehumanizing so many people as, of course, the court of, uh, as a, you know, a a justice said, as I mentioned before. And yet they're sitting there acting like they're the victims, like they're the ones being repressed here, which is, uh, I mean, it's just amazing. It's it's amazing to see people, and, and again, not all Quebecers, but it's amazing to see how you can say that with a straight face and like again i understand i understand quebec's history i understand you know the the you know the uh, sovereignty of a province that that is something that's important within canada of course a province being allowed to pass laws without interference from the federal government but at the same time i mean you're you're, you're violating federal law right like it's not a flagrant lack of respect it's the federal government doing what is the federal government's job? And that's to uphold federal law. It's just, it's, it's very disappointing, I think, to see that sort of argument occurring. Because, in my opinion, it just seems very immature and really, you know, out of context. Especially because of the, the fact that Quebec doesn't exactly treat its own minorities in a good way, right? Like, Quebecers, of course, because they are French-speaking Canadians, They are a minority within Canada, which is totally fair because they 100% are a minority in Canada. Majority of Canadians speak English first and then French second, if at all. Whereas in Quebec, of course, majority, I, I think, speak French first, which is totally fine. There's nothing wrong with speaking French first, right? But if you are always upset about being a minority to English speakers, how can you then, you know, discriminate against minorities within your own province. How? Like, it just seems very hypocritical of them to be crying about discrimination or, you know, the interference by the federal government in their lives when that's exactly what they're doing to others. I don't know. That's just my two cents, right? And and I can't emphasize this enough that not all Quebecers agree with either Bill 96 or Bill 21, but nonetheless, it is really disappointing to watch the Quebec government act like this to act like they are, you know, the the victims here, and to play the victim card this way. Now to my next point, I wanted to focus now more on some of the real life impacts, which I discussed in uh, the last episode, I I talked about how, you know, there were a lot of real life impacts and, and, you know, uh, I guess repercussions, uh, we should say, because of Bill 21, and I wanted to go over a few that I was able to find uh, while researching about this bill. Uh, as well as uh, a survey that I found uh, that was conducted by McGill and Concordia Universities, which basically focused on um, how Bill 21 would have an impact on people's decisions to either leave or stay in Quebec. Now, sort of as a refresher, uh, the Bill 21, of course, um, impacts people's abilities to be employed by the federal government. So, this includes stuff like ministries within Quebec, but it also includes things like being a lawyer or a teacher or a public servant uh, within uh, Quebec. And so those are a lot of jobs that you would essentially be cutting people out of. So there's actually a broad range of people who may be impacted because of Bill 21, which again amplifies its controversy because it's not just targeting one group of people, it's basically targeting a whole bunch of them. And what I, I wanted to really first uh, you know, emphasize is that the survey uh, by McGill and Concordia Universities focused on mainly the perspective of students. So these are like students or workers who are just sort of in the early phase, I believe, uh, of, their, of their employment. This is not people who have been established in Quebec. These are just sort of mainly students and workers. Uh, and they really reflect on sort of how Bill 21 could impact their lives. Now on the other hand I also want to highlight that the survey although it is a very good survey it only had 629 respondents which of course is very very low or maybe not very very low but it's not exactly a, a you know a definitive number it's not like there was thousands of people that responded it was just 629 um so to some degree it's not necessarily most definitive answers as to what we can take away from the survey, but regardless, there is some interesting stuff to think about. And so I'm just going to go through the statistics one by one, and then I'll sort of talk about them afterwards. So of the 629 respondents that were asked about Bill 21 and if it would have an impact on the decision to leave Quebec, more than a half of them said that they would leave Quebec to find work due to a variety of different reasons. And some of those, of course, were due to Bill 21's varying effects, either to them personally or to people around them, or sort of the overall message of Bill 21 was something that made them uncomfortable, and so that's why they were possibly, not that they would leave, but they were considering it, at least. Over a third, which would be 34.2% of respondents, or 215 respondents of the 629, said that they experienced discrimination since the law went into effect, with more than half of those, being 56.5% or 100 respondents, said that they wore a religious symbol such as a rosary, a hijab, uh, or a cross, and saying that they encountered discrimination as well. So, about a third said that they have experienced it, Meaning they, they either saw it or they encountered it themselves. While a hundred of the respondents, um, you know, uh, sorry, a uh, half of those who responded of the thirty four point two percent said that they wore a religious symbol and experienced discrimination. Sixty four of those eighty four students who wear hijabs said that they were discriminated against since the passage of Bill Twenty One. So of the six hundred and twenty nine, if I'm remembering correctly, I said I think they, I believe they said that eighty four of them uh you know wore hijabs and so 64 of those 84 students who wore hijabs said that they were discriminated against since the passage of bill 21 in addition more than half which is 51.4% or 323 students said they were aware of one or more of their colleagues who were looking for work outside of the province and so the reason for leaving quebec may be tied to fears of being able to find work Which is understandable, right? Because if you are a person who wears a religious symbol and you cannot apply to any federal or any provincial government job, I should say, not federal, provincial government job, then understandably you may look to other provinces for employment rather than staying within Quebec. Almost half of the respondents, which is 44.4% or 279 of the total students, said that Bill 21 will likely curtail their job prospects. I think one of the main takeaways that we can have uh, after, you know, reading those statistics is that for the most part, Bill 21 is having real-life impacts on people and it's having it on a variety of different factors. You know, on one hand, you're clearly seeing that there are religious people that are being discriminated against, right? There are people who are, you know, either hijab-wearing women or, you know, they wear a turban or they wear a cross, whatever have you they're clearly being impacted. And they're either being impacted or they're feeling the impacts of Bill 21. And I think that that's something that is going to be definitely denied because that's something that the Quebec government could never admit to. Yet we are seeing that there's some inclinations that there could be some impacts because of Bill 21. And on the other hand, what I think is somewhat interesting is that you're seeing people who are upset with Bill Bill 21 they aren't necessarily going to be impacted by Bill 21, but the reason that they are upset or against it is because of the fact that Bill 21 essentially uh, is a the, the characteristic of what Bill 21 is saying or doing is enough for them to want to leave, right? So it's not necessarily that Bill 21 is impacting them, but they're saying that Bill 21's objectives and how it's impacting others is enough for them to be upset about the law, which of course is interesting, right? I mean, that's that, that's somewhat interesting to, to see that response, but I, I do think it's an important thing to bring up as well. You know, Bill 21 may have a side effect where it sort of discourages people from going to Quebec. And I mean, it makes total sense, really. You know, I, I think that it, it, it makes sense to see Uh, that that would happen because if you're a young person or, you know, you're a young student who is, you know, religious or wears a religious symbol, why would you want to stay in Quebec? Right? Like, why would you even want to stay in Quebec? I think I discussed this in the last episode, but why should you stay in Quebec? Like someone give me one good reason why you should, if you're going to be cut off from all federal government employment, Why should you stay in Quebec? What's the the actual point of staying in Quebec? I I, I just don't see any reason to, right? If you're going to be shut out from all employment because you wear a religious symbol, what's the point of staying in Quebec? I also thought what what was interesting, and I I found this in another survey, uh, and essentially this survey found that 73.9% of the people aged 65 to 74 said they supported the religious symbol ban but only, and this is a very low, but only 27.8% of 18 to 24-year-olds said that they supported the religious symbol ban, which is very interesting because, again, it reinforces the idea that a majority of the youth and sort of the younger populations within Quebec, they do not support this religious symbols ban, and that really it is more of the older Quebecers and, you know, the, uh, you know, the, the over 30 Quebecers or not even over 30, over like 40 or 50 Quebecers that support the religious symbols ban. And I, I think that that's an important thing to point out because again, it, it goes back to the point of if you were a young person within Quebec, what's the point, right? Like why should you stay within Quebec? Now, of course the the survey itself does doesn't, of course it didn't cover, you know, that many people either Uh, but at the same time it does show some inclination uh, of opposition within quebec about bill 21 Uh, but i will also point out that there is still a lot of support across bill 21 i know that the survey implies that it's mainly people between 65 to 74 years of age but i know for a fact that there are in fact people who are younger that also support it as well Uh, but regardless it is going to be interesting to see um, you know how it impacts it because one of the things that we've already seen, and one of the things that many you know news news agencies have reported, is that there has been an increase in discrimination faced by religious minorities within the the province because of uh, the uh, the Bill Twenty One, uh, and because of the restriction of religious headgear. Uh, and one of the things that has often happened is that there's been sort of a misunderstanding even amongst those who support Bill 21, as to what Bill 21 actually does, right? Because I cannot emphasize enough that Bill 21 does not restrict people from wearing religious headgear. What it does is it prevents people from being employed within the provincial government while wearing religious headgear, right? But the increase in discrimination by some implies, or it maybe shows to some degree, that some people are taking Bill 21 to mean that you cannot wear religious headgear in general, which is not true. If you're in Quebec and you want to wear a hijab or you want to wear a turban, you're fully allowed to do that. But if you were wearing it while being employed within the federal government, you would not be allowed to do that. Uh, and yet we've already seen an increase in discrimination. And there was this one story that I found uh, where uh, it was uh, you know an example included in one of the surveys that I found. And it talked about how an 11-year-old girl told a girl that was wearing the hijab, someone basically in her class, that she wasn't allowed to wear the hijab anymore. So, of course, I mean, it is an 11-year-old, uh, but, it, so, you know, she she's just 11 years old. She's not some, you know, expert in legal uh, matters or anything like that or political matters. But it is somewhat interesting to see that being reported, right? Because, number one, what it's implying is that it's saying to many kids that you can't wear religious headgear, when, again, that's not true. That's 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 not even close to being true. If a person was wearing the hijab as a student, not as a teacher, but as a student, they're totally allowed to, right? There's no restriction on that. They're not allowed to restrict that. It's If you were a teacher, then they are trying to restrict that. But as a student, you're totally allowed to. Uh, but it, it is interesting, right? Like, it, it's saying that Bill 21's impact is more than just saying people can't wear it within the provincial government. It's beyond that. It's the the characteristic of what the law is actually achieving is going to have or could have big repercussions for the rest of, you know, the religious, he- religious uh, symbol-wearing population within Quebec. There was also another point that was made that I thought was great in one of these articles, and, and it talks about how it creates a climate where religious headgear is basically tolerated for the time being, but is not accepted within society. Because essentially, what they're doing by passing Bill 21, what they're doing is they're saying, that you know we don't like built we don't like religious headgear because that that is what they're saying right they're saying religious headgear won't be allowed within the federal government or the provincial government sorry, uh, for a variety of reasons because they think are going to be biased because they you know believe in the full you know separation of you know religion and the state, but it's also saying that to some degree you know religious headgear is something that we're going to tolerate, but we're not going to fully accept, right so if you're a hijab wearing woman right. You're not allowed to fully express yourself within the government because you can't actually be a full member of the government. So they're excluding you from that. And then they're also saying by law that, you know, there are problems with religious headgear because what they're saying is that people who wear religious headgear are biased or not trustworthy because that is what the law is implying. Maybe not outright saying it, but the impact of the law is still true. The impact of the law is still there. And so it's really going against the ideas of, you know, uh, of equality that are supposed to be fundamental within this country. And so I think that to sort of conclude this point and to sort of summarize it up, you know, it, although Bill 21 has not fully been passed because it is under legal challenge, at the same time, the real-life impact is being felt right? The real life impact is there. And I think the people in power, especially in Quebec can deny it all they want, that it's not discriminatory and whatnot, but from what we're seeing, from what's actually happening on the ground and in real life and not just, you know, on a piece of paper, but in real life, the impacts are clear and they're not good to to put it in maybe a straightforward way. They're not good at all. And I think it is a, a definite thing, in my opinion, that Bill 21 should be overturned. But even if it is passed, you know, I think Quebecers need to take a good hard look at, as to what Bill 21 is actually accomplishing and what it will have an impact on people within their province. And so I think that this is a good place to end today's episode. As I mentioned before, uh, you know, this was sort of a discussion on some of the impacts of Bill 21. Now, of course, there's a variety of impacts, but these were my opinions as to what I think might be some of the bigger impacts of Bill 21, as well as the things that I found uh, personally uh, as I, you know, as I went through my my research on the Internet as to what impacts Bill 21 may have. You know, there's going to be a variety of different things that come uh, about you know the good and the bad of bill 21 uh, that will likely you know be kind of spread around the internet and you're probably going to see it on many news channels as well and it'll probably be a big debate uh or, no sorry it will be a big debate on many news channels as well so if you know if you feel like maybe I didn't explain it well enough or maybe you don't really understand maybe parts of bill 21 you know, you really shouldn't worry that much because there's going to be a lot more to talk about. So trust me when I say that even the discussion that we're having right now, you know, it's not the end of this. This, this thing will keep going and it'll keep coming up uh, as, uh, I guess, you know, the, the legal challenges drag on for Bill 21. But again, at the same time, these were just my opinions as to what I thought are or could be some of the more impactful parts of Bill 21. Now, that being said, I hope you guys did enjoy today's episode. As always, I hope it was, uh, you know, educational and I hope that you did learn from it as well. Uh, if you guys have any opinions or anything, feel free to reach out to me on social media. It's at Mib Podcast. That's M-I-Y-B Podcast. So the it's at uh, for both Instagram and Twitter. It's at and then capital M-I-Y-B-P in the podcast is capital and then it's just podcast. So again, uh, reach out to me on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Mib Podcast. I'd be more than happy to, you know, hear your guys' opinions or what you guys thought of the episode or what you guys think of Bill 21. Uh, If you guys have any information about Bill 21 to share as well, I'd be more than happy uh, to uh, read that as well or to just sort of uh, improve my own understanding of Bill 21 and its possible side effects as well. Uh, in addition as well, if you guys did enjoy today's episode, please do not forget to leave a five-star review uh, on whatever podcast host that you are listening to this from. Uh, just sort of scroll down to the bottom of the page usually is where they have sort of a ratings meter, you know, a five-star meter or maybe a thumbs up, whatever it is, uh, you know, what, whatever sort of rating it is whatever rating meter they have, please don't forget to give this podcast a good rating. Uh, Good ratings for this podcast and for the uh, episodes themselves allow me to continue making episodes and allow me to uh, continue producing uh, similar content to this episode. So again, you know, please don't forget to do that. Uh, As well as uh, I wanted to, uh, or I I guess I should kind of, should have talked about this before, but I I guess I'll talk about this right now. Um, But... I wanted to take a, about a month long break after this episode. Um, And the reason is simply just because I've been getting a bit busier with a lot of other stuff and, you know, I've been putting out episodes. I put 10 episodes out uh, for a few months now. Uh, So, you know, it's, it's been, uh, I'm not going to say difficult per se, but, but, you know, there's, there's a, there's a lot of effort that goes behind putting out episodes, you know, twice uh, or, you know, every other week. Right. So like the one week that I send out the episode, I'm already starting to work on, you know, the next episode. And so it it is somewhat, you know, difficult at times to keep up with everything, especially because I I do work full time as well. So I will be taking about a month long break. Um, It should only be about about a month to sort of just, you know, take a a few days off to sort of um, kind of refocus and uh, plan out some future episodes as well so that I don't feel like I'm rushing too many episodes, you know, because I want to make sure that as much as I put episodes out, I want to make sure that, you know, they are good quality and, you know, to do that requires planning, which sometimes I don't always have the time to do. So that's mainly of the reason why I want to take sort of month a month long, about a month long break, I, I would say, um, at least to sort of plan out some of the stuff and also just sort of work out some other things that I'm doing on the side which is, you know, stuff that I'm doing in my my normal life, <laughs> I, I guess I want to say. Uh, yeah, so other than that, um, I hope you guys did enjoy today's episode. Uh, thank you again so much for listening. As always, I appreciate the support and I appreciate you guys for, you know, taking the time to listen to this podcast. You know, it's been, uh, I guess, uh, it's been a long journey to get to this podcast, get, to get this podcast going, I should say. Uh, and I know I'm rambling a bit here, but it's it's very nice to be able to consistently do this and to consistently have people listen to this podcast. So I appreciate you guys for listening. Um, you know, it's been it's been a lot of fun making these podcast episodes, and you know I ho- I hope to continue making podcast episodes as well. So again, I hope you guys did enjoy today's episode, and inshallah and alafis, we'll meet again.